0: Join Dennis Seagrave for Den at Ten. Hello again. It's been a busy week this week, working out in the garden mainly. We had decent weather at the start of the week, a bit too warm really, but jobs had to be done, the garden had to be tidied. bit of pruning, a bit of tidying away, cutting off old growth, trying to get things ready for fresh growth coming through, reshaping the bushes. One of the things I did, it's many years since I've grown tomatoes from seedlings. I was encouraged last year, because I think as I've said last week, I was given a couple of tomato plants to bring back with us from where we'd had the caravan in Lincolnshire. And we had the profit of some uh, nice tomatoes during the season and uh, the green tomatoes that Elaine made into chutney at the end of the season with the unripened tomatoes so I set to earlier in the year and put some seeds in not done that for many years they germinated well, they did well, they made some decent little seedlings and I it's actually called a, a salad bag but it's about four feet long and a, foot and a half wide and about a foot deep, filled it with compost, set up a structure of canes over the top of it and planted out the best of the young seedlings to grow up the framework. They've settled in well and are growing nicely, really pleased with it all. Then of course by the weekend the weather had changed everywhere was getting wet through, the water butters filled up nicely It was desperately empty with all the hot weather, but the garden's coming on. We had to tidy it round and alter things a little bit because uh, we took delivery of a a young puppy a fortnight ago. We got to try and give him space to move around, but also protect the plants and the things that we want to look after. Now, the other day... I didn't see the programme myself I just saw some comments about it but apparently Helen Skelton on is it called Summer on the Farm I think it's called the programme they were talking to a cooper who was making wooden barrels and they'd laughed at her because she'd said do you glue the wood together? and they'd made fun of her because she said that because you don't glue the barrel together. It's all held in position by careful planing and manufacture of the wooden staves and then the metal hoops to tap down to hold it in place. Put all the staves together I think traditionally at one time they used to put a length of straw between the staves then hammer it all tight with the barrel hoops, put the base in, put the lid in, but before you put the top part on, they stood it over a fire, scorched the inside as the finishing touch. That made me think about the old days when I was a regular lad in Burton. Wooden barrels were everywhere on the sidings, waiting to either be washed and cleaned and reused or full of ale waiting to go out to be delivered. Coopers were in there, plenty there. Every brewery had its own cooperage with employees specifically making barrels for the breweries. It was always a laugh that he had an apprentice who was going through training, going through his apprenticeship, learning his skills and then at the end when he passed his exams and was a qualified lad they had a passing out ceremony for the apprentice. The poor fellow was tarred and feathered, shoved in a barrel and rolled down the brewery yard. I always remember on the Burton papers, the local paper, the Burton Mail or Observer and Chronicle, There'd be a photograph and there'd be a, a dark circle in which was a blackened face where all you could see was white flecks of the feathers, his eyes wide and shining and a set of white teeth as he was grinning. And this was the victim of the passing out of the Cooper's Apprentice. Made me think of many things in Burton at that time. How, for show now, or of recent years, Bass's Shire Horses, later on became part of Molson Coors, used to take trips around the town pulling a brewer's dray like they used to of old. The simplest way to deliver around the town to the different pubs was to put it on a brewer's dray and have a couple of Shire Horses pull it around the town. Later years, I remember walking through Burton and they had these little blue tractors. Not like the ones you see in a farmer's field with big back wheels and little front wheels. These have got all four wheels with the same smaller size with mud guards over them. And they used to drive around towing trailers with various bits and pieces on. Sometimes you'd see them with barrels on. Sometimes you'd see them with spent hops on. Now what a smell that was as that went past you going through the town. There were times when you thought you'd get drunk just breathing the air in Burton. Really was an intoxicating atmosphere. I'll never forget that smell, never. But one of the things that I most fondly remember of those times is the railways in Burton all the different breweries have got their own private wagons rolling stock and bits of railway line i think all in all in the town of burton there were something like 89 miles of railway track and 32 level crossings around the town i remember the level crossings because you couldn't walk around without seeing them if you were doing this shopping. The ones that I remember most of all were on New Street and Station Street. Because those were on the areas where my mum used to walk round going from shop to shop when we went into Burton doing the shopping. Certainly Station Street sticks in my mind because there was a railway crossing underneath but over the top was a bridge between the parts of the breweries that my brother had been part of the building contract to erect it. So he always looked up at that with pride and thought, my big brother built that. <laughs> to be fair, I think there were one or two others helped him, but to me as a young lad, I'm thinking, yeah, my brother did that. But yes, it was, it was a strange thing that... I think the one on New Street sticks in my mind more than any because we'd finish the shopping in the town, walk down the high street, turn right into New Street, call at Tommy's Fish Bar on the way along New Street to get fish and chips to take home for dinner. Just beyond Tommy's Fish Bar, you turn left and went into New Street bus station. Just a big open area really, but they called it a bus station, there was a cafe in the back corner. And usually the bus that we caught would terminate at Burton. So when it came in through the far end of the bus station and drove through, it parked up just inside the bus station from where we entered. And the crew used to go over to the cafe and have a break for a few minutes. So all you could hear on this bus without the engine running was people sitting and chatting to each other, housewives going through the shopping bags trying to put things in a better position to sit more comfortably on their knees while they were sitting on the bus, checking what they would got. So you'd sit there and you could just hear this chatter of people and the rustling of paper and bags. Most things were in paper bags or paper carriers in those days not the plastic and the stuff that we're trying to get rid of now. But it was an interesting walk because as you turned left into the bus station the level crossing was just a few few yards up the road. I was going to say a few hundred yards then, it wasn't that far. Probably a hundred yards at the most. But the novelty in Burton was that in order not to hold up the traffic too long the brewery traffic was limited to eight carriages behind each engine. Now, there were quaint little engines, most of them, the brewery's own. I've not been that way lately, but when it was Bass's Museum and lately Molson Coors Visitor Centre, there used to be one of the old engines. You could see it from the road inside the museum grounds, but it was right next to the fence, you could see it reddy orangey sort of colour bass number three i think it got on the side of it was these little steam engines used to chug across pulling their eight carriages but as each train was due the signalman in the signal box because each crossing had a signal box to control the gates and everything the signalman used to ring a bell to warn pedestrians and traffic that the gates were about to close. The gates had got mesh on so that animals and children couldn't get between the pieces of woodwork or the pieces of metalwork. So you couldn't get anything across the railway track while the gates were closed. Now when this bell went off, it was a bit like the starting gunner to races. I do not exaggerate when I've said that old ladies carrying two bags of shopping would have given Usain Bolt a good run for his money when that bell started ringing on a Burton level crossing. All of a sudden this quiet street, no matter which crossing it was, this quiet street with people wandering about and taking their time and enjoying themselves suddenly became the fastest hive of activity i've seen in my life cars sped up pedestrians started running all to beat the crossing gates so that they didn't have to wait for this train to go across i don't know what it would have been like if they hadn't have had this bylaw that said only a certain amount of trains per day could go only so many carriages per train But it was one of the highlights as a young lad seeing a steam engine going across the road. Fond memories of all of that. Burton as it used to be. I know we used to... When I was in my last year at primary school, we used to have one morning a week, we had swimming lessons. And we'd get to school for nine o'clock and there'd be a coach by the school gates. And off we'd go to Burton to the swimming baths big old Victorian building on the town end of the old Trent Bridge I think it's more or less a car park down there now but between the town and the Baths was Bass's Sidings there was the town Bass's Sidings, the Baths and then the River Trent but the Sidings used to be a vast complex And after we'd been swimming we'd get a bag of crisps or, I forget what they call them now, the ones I used to enjoy most were a sort of a bacon flavoured square snack, they were lovely. And we'd sit there, leaning on the wall, waiting for the coach to turn up and watching the activity on the sidings below us. I mean originally down there they'd have a shire horse actually doing the shunting and pulling the old wagon up and down the track specially built little bits of footholds for the horse to grab hold of to move the wagons they'd gone by my day of course there was little shunter engines doing all that work but to us kids it was fascinating just to watch this all happening interchanging different trucks from track to track moving some up one side and taking some out of another shuffling and dealing, really, to make up the various trains that had got to go out that day. But there again, I was with a railway family. We lived next door to a station. I saw all sorts of trains going in and out of the sidings at the local station. So anything to do with trains, I had a bit of an interest in, but I wasn't enthralled by it, if you know what I mean. Different lads would come and play at our house, and they'd say, oh, a train, and run off to have a closer look. Whereas i just sort of think, yeah, it is. So what? I was all up for the special engines when they come through, I remember... It was late at night when it came through, but it was, the, uh, it was the flying Scotsman doing a special. It had got a cinema coach on it and all sorts, to take a special group of people down to the Farnborough Air Show and it was on its way back somewhere. But yes, those sort of things I was interested in. Stood in the landing window looking across the station yard to see that one go past. It was about 10 o'clock at night, I should have been in bed really, but my dad said, no, stop up, we'll have a look at this engine. I've seen it many times since, but that was the first time I got a glimpse of this famous old locomotive. Different things happened. I remember standing there one day because this huge railway steam crane went through, just chugging very slowly. I remember a lot of things with railways I know one day or one evening should I say the, there was a snow and freezing fog it was a weird night and it had uh, covered the signal lamp with a icy film now in those days signal lamps you had to go the porter had to go out and refill them with oil every day and trim the wicks they weren't electric in those days they were paraffin lamps that you put in the back of the signal and then it was the old semaphore signal and when it went in one direction it put the red glass in front of the lens and when it was in the other direction it put the green lamp in the lens now on this one particular night the signal wasn't seen by the driver it had got this ice over it and he hadn't seen the stop signal and when i went to take the dog down to the field where the memorial arboretum is now there was no crossing gates they were quite a way down the track on the grass at the side of the track The train, not seeing the stop signal, had gone straight through the crossing gates that were closed for the trains, open for the roadway. Unusual, a rare event, but it happened, remember it well. But so my love went on with that. I remember one of my early trips to Great Yarmouth, and I always liked the ships. And we always had to go at least one day to have a look along the dockside and have a look at the docks and the ships. Always fascinated me. If that just bleeps on the recording, I apologise. It was my son phoning me. It's Father's Day, and he's phoned me up. So anyway, I was in Great Yarmouth. And we were walking along, along the dockside, up towards anybody that knows Great Yarmouth, we were near the Haven Bridge, and I heard a toot and I thought, that's a train, steam railway train. But I looked around and I thought, yeah, there's railway tracks in the tarmac going down the side of the docks, obviously to deliver goods to the docks or take goods away from the docks but as I looked up towards beyond the Haven Bridge I could see this train coming down the middle of the road amazing I thought I knew about railways up until that point but to see houses and shops each side of this engine as it came chugging along it was quite something different to me i would not seen this before well well but as i got to know great yarmouth there was also a swing bridge further out where the railway line went over the river Yare. and when boats wanted to go through with their tall masts the bridge swung on the middle upright the upright in the middle of the river and it turned and left both sides of the centre support free for boats to go through i haven't seen one of those in action for many many years until we were up at Loch Ness we'd hired a cabin cruiser we'd come down through Loch Ness and Loch Oik along the Caledonian Canal, joining the various locks, and we'd arrived at Banner, Banner v, just outside Fort William, top of a flight of locks known as Neptune Staircase, a big eight-lock staircase, capable of taking fairly large ships. Not your average narrowboat canal or broad canal, this was serious stuff. I know that one day we were moored up having... Launch, and i think it's a boat called the lord of the glens which is like a cruise ship went past good grief do they allow things that size coming through here and yes they did we saw one or two boats after that that were bigger than the lord of the glens but the joy we had was we saw two or three ships going through these locks going down And at the foot of the flight, there's a road goes across and a railway line a bit further on goes across. And the joy we had was we stood there and we thought, well, how do they go past these road and rail bridges? And lo and behold, as the ship came down to the last of the locks, the rail bridge and the road bridge swung aside, pivoted at one end, and just swung aside. Brilliant. How do they build it so that the lines of the rails join up when the bridge comes back to rest? I didn't work that one out quite, but they did, otherwise the train would be derailed. It must link to within the odd millimetre of joining it together and locking into place. But all of these are fond memories of how the railways used to be, how life used to be really, I suppose. The days when you'd see people walk past the front door of our house, carrying something as a parcel, for posting, take it to the goods office just inside the gateway of the railway yard for the porters to put on the train or you'd see people walking in the other direction having collected a piece of furniture or a parcel that had been delivered for them to collect from the railway station things that you don't see now, things that don't happen so much Same as the farmers. There was a cattle dock at Orewas where they used to set the cattle up a ramp and onto this platform for cows and sheep, a fence around the platform at the top and when the train drew in with the cattle truck they aligned the cattle truck door to the gate in the fence and the cattle went from the cattle dock into the truck or vice versa if they were being delivered to all of us. All things that are registered and are very, very fond memories. Other things like sugar beet. At the right time of the season during the harvest, the sugar beet would come in on a trailer to go to the factories to to extract sugar. Then a few days later, after the sugar beet had been processed, the pulp would come back, still steaming, be loaded onto the farmer's track trailers, and off he'd go to use it as cattle feed or fertilizer, depending on what he was doing. Trains used to come into the sidings, loaded with coal, which was shoveled across into the local coal merchants' bunkers different grades of coal in different bunkers then his workers would bag it up, put it on the lorry and go round the village delivering it to the various customers all a hive of activity. It's great to be there I don't think anything like that happens nowadays I know at times we we as kids used to go in and we'd grab a sack truck and help the local driver. I mean the station had got its own little delivery lorry and he'd take fertiliser out to farms or deliver different things around the district and we'd grab a sack truck and wheel the sacks of fertiliser out and help him load it onto his lorry. Then we'd go into the goods office and have a mug of tea with them. All totally illegal, It could be done for trespassing and all sorts I suppose, but nobody bothered in those days. Apart from one station master who occasionally came there to work. All the others didn't bother, but this one station master was a bit strict and he used to turf us out. But we knew when he was on duty and kept out of the way. Yeah, interesting times. I suppose what happens nowadays is progress but to nostalgic old fools like me, I miss it, miss it greatly. But talking to you now I can reminisce, I can remember it, I can see it plainly in my mind's eye. I got one of my old books out just to check what the situation in Burton was. That's how I knew it was 89 miles of track and 32 level crossings. And as I was thumbing through that to try and research the information, I saw a very rare photo of Oliver Station. Even in the book it says it's been sadly missed by photographers. There's not many photos he could find to publish the book. But there it is. And I said to Elaine, I can describe every detail on that station. It is imprinted in my memory so firmly, became so familiar. And then within the space of just a few months, it had gone flattened, just the signal box remains. The station yard's still there. There's one or two new buildings in it, and one or two that are still the same old buildings, funnily enough. But the station, long gone. Although I did read somewhere that they were thinking of rebuilding the station there to cater for the Memorial Arboretum. Time will tell. Anyway, looking at the clock, I seem to have rambled on incessantly this week. At least I've tried to come up with some old reminiscences and get back to how I used to do these chats bringing out fond memories rather than the trials and tribulations of the week gone before like you've had for the last few chats. Anyway, get back onto track again next week, see what else I can remember from my dim and distant past. Ta-ra for now.